up, everyone? Welcome to episode 149 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by Andre Seekers, John Cartwright, and Ash Polson. And yeah, we're all back from E3. Sorry for the two-week break, but it was kind of crazy. <laughs> it was. E3 yeah. sucks, as it turns out. <laughs> E3 At least in terms is, of getting yeah. things done. <laughs> Yeah, and not to mention the fact that it's an, it's an absolute germ bed, so I actually got the E3 funk. I've been sick pretty much ever since you guys left, to be honest, and I'm only now kind of starting to get over it. It's still kind of in my chest and my my throat and all that good stuff, so I don't know who out there didn't wash their hands before touching some controller that I touched. But Everyone. Feels I blame so. you. I know, I blame everyone who went to E3. <laughs> Perfect, but yeah. So yeah, how'd you guys, how do you think we did this year at E3? <laughs> I think, I think we, we killed good. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Busy, busy days, though. We're pretty much um, always on the show floor, always playing different things. Um, but what I like, though, is it's quite a small year in terms of scale, and we all kind of played everything. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I missed out on was uh, Link's Awakening. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest games of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lines are a bit long. I missed out on our uh, appointments and all that, so it just didn't end up happening, which is fine. <laughs> That happens uh-huh. sometimes. Right. Well, it, it is pretty much a one-to-one remake, so while it looks beautiful, I don't think you're missing that much from not playing Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm obviously super hyped about it, but it really is just, it's a one-for-one, or at least mostly one-for-one remake of Link's Awakening. Just, it looks and sounds like a 2019 game, but in terms of an ex- the experience, I don't think you missed anything in terms of being surprised. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that you said sounds, because the soundtrack is amazing. Yes, yeah. it, it it really is a the the uh, the way they're interpreting the original like chip music is really interesting, especially for like the Maid Village theme. I'm super into it. Oh yeah, like you have fully orchestrated tracks, and then every now and then there's a small hint of the the chip tune music in there, especially right. in dungeons. Sounds really really good. And I'm not gonna lie, they won't do this, but I think it would be pretty cool if they went the other went the route of other remasters and remakes where they let you like swap back and forth between the remake and the original soundtrack. Has but, Nintendo ever done that before? No, this is Nintendo. Yeah. They'll never do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> It'll never happen. Yeah. That is definitely not happening. I, Crash Team yeah. Racing uh, actually allows for that since I streamed it earlier today and went through the options. And it, there is an option to go back and forth between the classic music and the new music, which is, you know, always appreciated. Yeah. Not the nice. visuals, though, right? It's only the music? Uh, yeah, I think it's only the music. I think there is, like, some sort of scan where you can play as, like, class, the classic look. Yeah. Uh, something like that maybe it might might be exclusive to the playstation 4 version but uh yeah it's just the music derek how's the online in that game well john (laughs) (laughs) did it did did it crash it it didn't crash but people were uh, coming in and out of the room constantly but most i had was maybe four but ended up being a one-on-one match and i was in the lead for quite a while uh and i could see the other player like sort of phase you, you, you think of nightcrawler it's just like boom 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 just ahead rather than any kind of consistency and it was wow not great <laughs> it was i mean when you're making nintendo's uh online look good you're in trouble <laughs> because oh yeah that's pretty much that's the bar right there if, if nintendo's online's better than yours you have really screwed up mm-hmm. somewhere along <laughs> and the way and from everything i hear this is across the board it's on like this on playstation 4 and xbox one i did hear and uh, well did see in my chat somebody in my chat said they've already patched the ps4 and xbox one version so it doesn't do this anymore it's a little bit more stable but it hasn't happened to the switch yet and yikes <laughs> mm. 
That's interesting, because I saw a tweet this morning on PS4 showing it glitching around. Hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just launch time, you know, hmm. issues. Maybe they'll iron them out going forward. I sure hope so. I mean, the core game is good. It looks good. It runs good. It's, you know, it, it's a great update, just like the the, the Crash Trilogy. Uh, the load times suck. <laughs> the load times are atrocious <laughs> on the Switch. I heard oh, it's pretty geez. bad on the on the other systems as well. So those seem to be the two sticking points for Crash Team Racing right now is that the load times suck and the online is a mess. To be fair, they're just keeping the load times faithful to the original game. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, maybe I can't remember. I think my might have had more every PlayStation game had horrible loading. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. True. That is very true. But do you know what game had good loading? Diddy Kong Racing. Heck yeah, the sequel. Oh, man, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I often forget that it was re-released on DS. You know that one time, and it wasn't the best port. But I, I uh, still feel like that game needs to come back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, on the Switch right now, we have Mario Kart 8, we have Team Sonic Racing, racing we have Crash Team Racing. Diddy Kong needs to complete the quadrilogy? quadrilogy? Is that a word? Quadrilogy, uh, I think they, what they call yeah, it. Yeah, quadrilogy, I, I think it would be, yeah. Well, hold on, John. Before that, you mentioned a lot of team racing there. Where's our Mario Kart team racing? And by that, I mean Double Dash? Where is it on Switch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Mario Kart still kind of goes there. Not quite, though. <laughs> they should do the whole Mario Advance naming thing where it's like Mario Kart 9, Mario Kart Double Dash 2. Or like Mario Kart mm. 9, Double Dash 2 or something. <laughs> yeah, they have like Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3. It's the dumbest dash. thing. Yeah, there we Triple go, Dash. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, that's all fine. But what else have you guys been up to since getting back from E3? Ash has been sick. <laughs> but uh, how, how was the trip back from uh, the U.S., John? That was long. <laughs> I nearly missed my connection flight, too, because um, I had to go to um, to Texas first to um, then sorry. fly to London. <laughs> and that flight was delayed by an hour. So ah. getting when I got there, I, I only just about made my connection flight by about 20 minutes, because it was just about to depart. And if I missed that, I don't know how long I'd be waiting around for. But it was already like a 12-hour um, like flight in total, and I don't sleep well on planes. So I, I spent the entire time just wide awake. And I planned to just play Mario Maker the entire time, but there's no power outlets on this plane. So this international flight from Texas to London had no power outlets, and my Switch died in like three hours. That should be illegal. Yeah, it should be illegal. Yeah, so I just watched Into the Spider-Verse again. (laughs) And uh, uh, it it was a long time. Um, Wasn't that bad, though. I got back home and I was just dead. I I didn't really feel jet lag when when I was in the US, but when I got home, I was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Right, right. God, that, an international flight without outlets, I mean, that is, of course, the, the firstest of first world problems, but that really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is, the flight from um, LA to Texas, that had power outlets, but Texas to London, nope. Oh, God. Gee, that's ridiculous. That is awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, I will say that even though I've just been sick, being sick has given me an excuse to play some games, so I have been chipping away at Spider-Man still. And I'm at about 80% of the way through the main campaign, and I'm still having a great time. The, the, the story's awesome, but I will say the combat does get a little repetitive, especially after, you know, you get this next wave of crimes that you need to go clear five of each mm. kind of crime out of each district. <laughs> and I've already done that twice, and now there are two mm. more kinds to do. And I'm just like, okay, this is getting a little fatigue like a little repetitive, but the main game itself is just so good. And I keep mm. hearing the DLC is fantastic, too. So I may just go ahead and buy that 
and just keep on playing it while I, while I still have my friend's copy because he hasn't asked for it back yet. Uh, yeah. Nice. So uh, this yeah. this game makes me depressed about the Avengers because I think a, a big chunk of uh, us have yeah. seen Avengers behind closed doors, and it looks it looks a little bit sloppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Especially just, you know much, much, much. when you look at. Spider-Man, and it's like, you know, it's not that they have to look like the MCU versions of each character. Spider-Man proves it. They have these, the, you know, these incarnations of Peter Parker, MJ, all the, you know, Dr. Octopus, like all these villains and Spider-Man characters that are really convincing. And they don't look like MCU or other movie versions. They look like their own versions, but they work. So it isn't just that, oh, the Avengers just has to go with the movie designs or else it'll suck. They just have to go with good designs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, but that and the game as a whole just looks a bit. It looks like a game that came before Batman: Arkham Knight. It does or actually. Arkham, Arkham Asylum, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. There's just there's just nothing. I mean, as we said in our our E3 discussions, there's nothing about Avengers that engenders any sort of hype or hope, in my opinion. But there still seem to be a lot of people, a lot of fans too, pretty hyped about it. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man so, looked a little rough before it came out. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair true. too. Yeah. I think yeah. I feel like. Colin is a little rough as being very generous. <laughs> that's <based> that's <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's funny how Square Enix can be simultaneously responsible for having at least my game of the show and also one of the most disappointing games of the show in equal measure. Yeah, uh-huh. that's Square Enix, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, Speaking of being disappointed, really quick, I, I got to take an, an aside here. I have to read a tweet to you guys by a certain... Story time. Yes, this is by a certain John Cartwright. At John Combs. Oh no! I have already apologized. And this was this was posted at three o'clock p.m. on June twentieth, and it says, "Mario, Sonic, Rayman, Spyro, Crash, Banjo. These guys are all on one console, y'all." And I respect that, and it's true. But how do you not mention Mega Man before Rayman, Spyro, Crash, and Banjo? You and it's I are on easy. the outs. Man. It is quite easy, I assure Rayman, you. I don't. I don't Rayman need your is a bigger deal than Mega Man. <laughs> how dare you? No, our our social link is is forever screwed up, John. Forever. I don't know if there's ever any coming back from this. Oh God! There's like 20 <laughs> Mega Man games on the Switch, and somehow I didn't even consider him. I know. <laughs> How dare you? It's, it's because you had Andre. You know what? I forgive you. It's because you had Andre whispering in your ear about how much Mega Man sucks. So I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> you. Exactly. So now I'm just imagining Andre as Worm Tongue. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> From uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that was something I did not need to visualize. <laughs> well, speaking of anyway, Andre, yeah. yeah. What, are you, what are you up to, Andre? Uh, I watched Toy Story 4 yesterday. Ooh. Ooh. How was it? Surprisingly good. I nice. uh, it's a movie I thought didn't need didn't need to exist, but it actually fully justifies itself. I think it uh it actually provides a better conclusion, a more fitting conclusion than Toy Story three did. I think so. I'm a so hmm. I was surprisingly pleasantly surprised by the movie. Um, even if it's not perfect, uh, I like what it went about achieving. So and Bo Peep just steals the show. She is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm with you in the agenda against Toy Story three. I think it's a good movie. But I don't. I didn't feel it was like the epic conclusion that a lot of people like. Or, or Thank even you. The, the satisfying conclusion. Yes, that people because thought it was. The, my biggest issue with Toy Story three, besides the fact that it's just kind of boring overall in terms of setting, I feel like, is that the themes the themes it explores were already explored better in Toy Story two. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They decided to revisit that well for some reason. Whereas Toy Story four actually does explore new new themes. Uh, some some surprising ones. And it takes uh, some of the characters in a new direction. So, mm. yeah. So, to- mm. Toy Story. So, my ranking for Toy Story is, is two, one, four, three. 
Wow. Yeah. See, my, my wife and I are on the other side of, of we actually thought Toy Story 3 was a great conclusion. And initially, when 4, <clears throat> excuse me, when 4 was announced, we were both like, oh, man, does this have any reason to exist? Does it justify itself? And then I've actually come around on it because I saw the first trailer and I was really into it. And so I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> I could see this working. Let's do it. And my wife is still she's she's not into it though. She's like, no, nah, I don't want to see it. Toy Story Three was the perfect ending. This one's gonna suck. I'm like, baby, it has a 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I get it. I get why you're trepidatious. It maybe doesn't seem like it need, it justifies itself. But then I go to Rotten Tomatoes and I hear Andre's review, and so many of those reviews are anchored specifically around the point that yes. If you have doubts that it justifies itself, it does. So I'm like, we got to go see it. So I'm trying to con her into going to see it with me like next week or this weekend or something. Because I am I really want to see it. Yeah, it gives an ending I didn't realize a series needed. Like it's almost it's almost like an epilogue really more than it mm. is a like a, you know, a third act or a fourth act, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it works really well for what it sets out to do. So it really surprised me in that sense. I was not expecting that. Um, it definitely hits... Definitely hit me right in the feels a few, a few times. Ah, nice. that's my favorite thing about Pixar movies. I can't wait for the feels. Here's, here's a question, though. Do they reset Buzz again? Because Toy Story 2 did it originally, then Toy Story 3 did it again. Oh, yeah. Does it, does it happen okay. again in 4? So, okay, here, here are my two complaints. And again, no no spoilers here. Um, so, one of my complaints about Toy Story 3 was that they kind of felt like, they kind of sidelined Buzz a bit, in a way, by making him not Buzz. And Toy uh. Story 4... Doesn't do that exactly, but it still sidelines them, I think, even more than it did in 3. And in fact, they sideline most of the cast. Uh, most of the returning cast uh, is basically, they're a little more than background characters now, which is a bit unfortunate because I was hoping for more from, like, uh, you know, Slinky or Mr. Potato Head. And granted, some of those actors have since passed, um, which I think is why they probably sideline some of them. But even characters that are still around, or the voice actors are, like Jesse, um, she doesn't have a huge role in the new movie. So this this new one really is focused more on Woody and his story and you know, Bo Peep as well, of course. Uh, so that's why I think it works better as an epilogue than uh, it does as a like a true Toy Story successor. Um, because it's more about wrapping up Woody's story than it is everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. That I've, I've actually heard that from other people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I as somebody who really enjoyed 3, uh, I... I will say the thing that I think about that, that I remember most from that movie is just the incinerator and Andy saying goodbye. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but because the rest of the movie is like, oh, yeah, the whole play area thing. You know, I haven't watched the movie in a while, so it, it does uh, drift but there. But, you know, I still want to see the movie. I'm still going to see it, uh, especially with all the good reviews and you enjoying it, Andre, and you claiming apparently to have the two, it to have the best post-credit sequence ever. Uh, well, for, wow. to, okay, for clarity's sake, I said the most satisfying, <laughs> oh, satisfying. post-credits sequence ever. So you will know exactly what I mean when you see it. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm super excited about this, and uh, I guess this and Spider-Man: Far From Home are like the big movies on my radar right now. So, yeah, I'm super excited about Toy Story Four. I uh, I'm really happy it justifies itself, and I cannot wait for those Pixar feels. That's what I go. Ultimately, that's what I go to Pixar movies for is the feels, and I just I can't wait. I'm excited. Oh, man, mm-hmm. Cars 2 really made me feel something. Oh, God. <laughs> Indigestion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. To be fair, I never saw any of the Cars movies because it just never had any interest. Uh-huh. Did you ever watch Doc Hollywood? Sorry? Did you ever watch Doc Hollywood? No. Oh, okay. If you had, I was going to say, then you saw Cars 1. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I have not. <laughs> it's, yeah, Doc Hollywood with NASCAR. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's essentially the same. I enjoyed the first one. I never saw, I hated the second and never bothered seeing the third. 
The third mm. is, it's fine, but that's all it is. Like, it's just kind of, it just exists. It's not actively bad, it's just not particularly great. So it's not to say Pixar seeming, seemingly getting back into the swing of making pretty consistently great movies where it's been, they had a pretty big gap there where they were all over the place in terms of quality. Yeah. So it seems like they are kind of maybe returning to it, but then I look at the trailer for that new the new suburban monsters movie. I'm like, what is this? Like, what's oh, going geez. on? Here? I've not seen the trailer can, for that. So it's not even worth watching, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as we can all agree that Coco is one of the best Pixar films, there. Yeah, I am uh, ashamed to say that's one of the few I have not seen. Oh, actually, every time I, I've yeah, tried actually, to get. If you want awesome. feels, come on. I know, and I actually I know that, and so there are many times where I've seen it on Blu-ray to get it at Redbox, and I'll be like, hey, you know, babes, let's watch this tonight. And every time she's like, I just I'm not emotionally ready. I just I, I know <laughs> it's gonna make me cry. I just you gotta can't. rip that bandaid off. I know, and I I just I want the tears, bring them on. But she's like, no, I need to be emotionally prepared for this, and she already kind of like. She's an easy target for themes of like family togetherness, so I think that's that's going to really be brutal for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Andre, how many times did you end up seeing Aladdin? Is it still in theaters? Can you go see it more? Yeah, no, it's still it's doing really well actually. So I'm up <laughs> to five. Of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because of me, I've seen it five times now in theaters. Jeez. Oh Jesus, that's crazy! I think that's more than most people have seen the original Aladdin. I mean, it's more than I've seen most any movie ever. So, <laughs> I like, yeah, for whatever reason, this one really resonated with me. I thought it was really good, and it showed me that you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes ratings because that that score does not ju- does not do justice to uh, what Aladdin is. So. Oh, I believe that because I really enjoyed uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters, and that got thrashed on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. Like, oh I, yeah, gr- it's great action movie and just. Had a really great time. I'm a little sad it underperformed, but I mean, it's still mm, fantastic movie. Issues, but you know, I still had a lot, had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, it almost seems like you know movies that aren't Oscar bait or don't have some sort of important point with a capital P get passed over in reviews, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, movies can just be fun. They don't have to. It's great when you get a lesson. It's great when there's some moral undercurrent that you feel like you you've left learning something. But not every movie needs to have that. Sometimes you just want to go watch things explode or cool fights happen or whatever, and that's that can be enough. Yeah, but the odd thing though is then you have movie, then you have like the Marvel series, which consistently does well <laughs> despite being just that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't get it. It's like you almost have like two uh, two segments of critics, ones who only go for the Oscar bait and those who only care about Marvel. Fair enough. Action. Yeah. So, well, I mean, be- X Men: Dark Phoenix hasn't done well critically <laughs> or financially. So, maybe oh, right. an exception. That's the other thing is that is that my wife is a huge X Men fan, and knowing uh-huh. full well that the movie is terrible, we're still going to go see that because it's like <laughs> you know we we've spent the time and money seeing all the other X Men movies of varying quality, mostly bad. So you know we got to finish out the series and actually see what might, from what I've hear have heard, might be the worst one yet. Yeah, and the last one, probably. Yeah, the last one, which it's almost a little sad, because even if the movies have been up and down in terms of quality, I am going to miss these actors playing these characters. Yeah, yeah we already got cast. that send-off, the send-off with Logan. I'm happy with that. Exactly. Yeah, Logan was, <laughs> like, true. perfect. God, that movie mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, the other thing I've been playing is uh, I got my backer copy of uh, Bloodstained, uh, Ritual of the Night. Nice. Uh, got it for PlayStation 4. Uh, stuck with that. And... I mean, it's a little janky. There's like some a lot of some stuttering sometimes. Mostly when it goes to like 
uh, like you're doing something and then another thing happens, like uh, like you got to level up or you get one of the shards or something else happens. It'll get a little janky, a little slow down, you know, slow down a little, but otherwise it's really solid. Like this is a really fun like Castlevania game, and you can see like oh they took this from this Castlevania, they took this from this Castlevania, and you know you see all the inspirations but it still found a way to keep itself pretty unique and you know definitely feels like just another you know another entry which is kind of what people wanted from this so yeah i'm actually really really digging it and i'm hoping for you guys sake that the switch version is good as well let's hope so i mean this is sounding <laughs> like the feel-good hit of the summer no one expected it to be yeah. great <laughs> and it kind of comes out and it seems to meet your expectations and even exceed them mm-hmm. it yeah be improved, i i but, yeah unfortunately did not switch my backers copy from switch to ps4 but i after pax though i know it's supposed to be improved i get it i don't care that left such a horrifically bad taste in my mouth that i just will not play this game on switch so i'm I'm gonna get my switch copy i'm hoping someone out there maybe wanted the switch copy and got ps4 instead maybe we can trade if there are any fans out there listening if you have a ps4 (laughs) version you don't want let's trade because i will not play this game on switch so I just, you know, I got to figure it out. I don't really want to double dip on it, even though I've heard it's good. It just doesn't seem like the kind of game I want to double dip on. However, I do want to play it. So if that means I have to go buy the PS4 version, I will. But I just, man, playing it on Switch, just, it was so bad at PAX East. I can't. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they fixed those problems by now. I, I, doubt, I doubt it's like, I doubt it's going to hold a candle to the PS4 version still. Right. But maybe it's better than what, it had, what they had at PAX. No, I think it is. Here, and it definitely is from what I've heard. Here's my problem, and I'm going to sound like a snob here. And I don't usually care about graphics and performance all that much, but I will not play an Egovania in 30 frames per second. I just <laughs> won't. I'm a snob. Fine. But I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I respect that. But um, <laughs> this these these last two weeks have been really good for games. We've had Collection of Mana, Cadence of Hyrule, The Contra Collection, Crash Team Racing, Mario Maker Two, and our Bloodstained all released in two weeks. That's kind of nuts. And those are all really good games. Mm-hmm. Exhausting. Yeah, and usually you know the summer months are are kind of lighter when you know especially the midsummer months. But June isn't usually this crazy. Right. Yeah, it's... yeah, and think about playing like the Mana Collection. That's three games, and one of them like no one's played. So it's, right, uh, it's a lot of content to play. Mm-hmm. No, I've already I've already blown through uh, Final Fantasy Adventure just because I already love that game, and I've been so excited about the collection of Mana, and I've been sick. So that's one of the things I just blew through that game, which you can beat in like you know seven hours if you know what you're doing. Oh yeah, um, I'm not going I'm... through it that quickly. I've been playing I've been playing it on my own, and I just finished the scene, the whole thing with the Medusa. Uh, okay, I'd say you're you're about halfway through. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't yeah, you're, you're, sure. it's not a super long game. Yeah, it didn't seem like it. Like I feel like I've explored most of the map, but yeah. Right. Also, uh, you know, spoilers for how old game. This game likes to kill characters a lot. <laughs> it's actually it is an abjectly depressing game. That's one of the things that really stuck with me about it when I first played it as a kid. Even for like a little humble Game Boy game, it tells one of the saddest. And just bleakest stories, I think, in any game that I played. It is so just... It's bleak. Nothing ha- nothing happy happens in that game. Not really, no. It's like you're constantly no. chasing this girl get, getting kidnapped. I mean, it's a great sacrificing game, themselves. Nothing happy happens in this game. I mean, you know what? It, it's like, you know, I'm going to make a really weird comparison. It's like the proto-Last of Us, right? Nothing happy happens in that game either. So, <laughs> well, they also- not that there are any zombies in this at all, but <laughs> it is it is very much like The Last of Us in that it is a very bleak game. I mean, they also pulled a Metal Gear Solid 3 way before Metal Gear Solid 3. 
Oh, nice. With that, with the whole thing with Amanda. <laughs> oh, that's true. Actually, that's a great point. I didn't thought about it like that, but yeah, which was really cool. Like that's the kind of see, that's the kind of twist that surprises me that you we saw in such an early, not early Game Boy game, but a Game Boy game at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really gets you up, invested. Man. I I recommend it. I'm excited to get yeah. the secret in Trials. Yeah, to Secret, yeah. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to play all the way through just because I played it so many times already. I'm, I'm, I'm playing through it right now. I'm not sure if I'll drop it or not just because, you know, I know that game inside and out. And I really, really, really <laughs> want to get to Trials. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. played either, so. Nice. I've oh, just, God. Um, you haven't so, played Secret. All, all, oh, th- all so three of these are completely new experiences for me. Oh, I'm so happy and jealous because <laughs> playing Secret of Mana for the first time, that what a great experience you're going to have. Mm-hmm. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Just a very quick tangent. You mentioned The Last of Us just now. Someone reminded me on Twitter earlier that Uncharted had zombies in it. <laughs> I completely yeah. forgot oh, yeah. about this. I raised this it? from my memory. But like, the last act of Uncharted is like a zombie act, and it was so jarring and weird. It was. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, but aren't they technically like not zombies? Because there's no true like I don't supernatural know, I mean, stuff not, in the game. Nazi right? zombies. <laughs> not Nazi zombies. Exactly. I, I think <laughs> yeah, I, I always remember. I always thought that was a weird supernatural twist that Uncharted One takes toward the end. Very odd. But isn't there like some kind of like again either? Yeah. Isn't there some kind of like weird explanation for it though, where they're not actually zombies? Yeah. Zombies. Basically, <laughs> what it is is you know the the evil whatever the evil dust that com- comes from the sarcophagus that they ultimately find like if you inhale it it turns you into some you know zombie like creature but they're not actually zombies yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's just some sort of parasitic infection type thing Resident Evil 4 style exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly uh, so uh, have you been playing anything uh, Andre or is it just movies <laughs> it, well Mario Maker oh yeah <laughs> I keep forgetting uh, about that. <laughs> that's about it, I think. Um, yeah, I haven't had time for much else, so yeah, it's been Mario Maker o'clock over here. Mm. Mm. Probably a good time to say that we don't hate Mario Maker either. <laughs> we, we both really like this game. <laughs> yeah, that has to that it's sad that has to be sad, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Um well Andre, uh you said you had to get going so you can't uh stick through the entire podcast. Um, do you have any, uh, anything you want to say before you leave? <laughs> Go watch Toy Story 4. It's good. There you go. Better nice. than Toy Story 3. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, as Andre takes off to do more work on Mario Maker, because that is his life now, <laughs> let's go ahead and switch over to the uh, news topics. And right off the bat, the big one is The Witcher 3 on Switch will have the full game on the cartridge. That includes the 16 micro DLCs and two expansions. It will display this at 540p handheld and 720p docked. No word about the frame rate, but there you go. That's weird. <laughs> Setting an example, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have yeah. Capcom over here who are... Um, they, they released Resident Evil Zero and, and the remake on a physical uh, cartridge. Apart from the only game on the cartridge is Zero, which you have to download remake. And those are two GameCube games. So to um, sort of cut corners there, whereas The Witcher 3 has the entirety of this PlayStation 4 game, plus multiple expansions, plus all these bonuses, on one cartridge without, without downloading anything, that is just like a slap in the face to Capcom. It and really is. And, and, yet, really. <laughs> and yeah. yet people have had the audacity to, and not surprising, but the audacity to complain that it's only 540p in handheld or only 720p docked. Man, if you want a better-looking, perfectly-performing version of the game, go play it on PS4. <laughs> what do you expect mm-hmm. from this? Like, I think it's incredibly impressive 
what they've managed to pack onto this little card. And I mean, it, it is, it's literally the full experience in a handheld format if you want it to be. You can't have it every yeah. way. You know, you, you go for portability or you go for power. You can't have it every way. I think this is super impressive, and the people who are complaining are just absurd. Like, how? what else would you expect? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I appreciate they say this, too, because very few developers actually tell you this stuff. This yeah. is the stuff that Digital Foundry tells you. Uh, so for a, de- a developer to flat out say, like, this is on resolution, docked, and handheld, that's, that's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And as you say, it is pretty impressive. This is a PlayStation 4 game. They're squeezing it onto the Switch. And um, to have it in 540p isn't even a bad resolution. That's what a lot of Vita games ran at as, as their native resolution. Right. Um, and I'm sure there's probably going to be some, like, there's some image quality enhancements there too, like anti-aliasing. So we'll see how it pans out. But I think that's, um, those are pretty good numbers. It's, it's impressive they squeeze the entire thing onto a cartridge. And it seems like a great port. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't know if, 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 if I wanted to play The Witcher 3, and I haven't, if I was going to play it, I don't know if I played it on Switch only because I do have access to a pro and I might want that full-on visual performance experience. But I'm certainly, if I went to buy The Witch, the, the Switch version, I wouldn't be upset about it because, again, what they've included here is really amazing. I mean, for as yeah. good as the Doom port was, it couldn't even be on a single cartridge. I mean, they're great. Right, sure. I think CD Projekt Red is springing for the 32 big, uh, 32 gigabyte cartridge, unlike a lot of other people. Usually, they just stick with, what, the 16? True, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, apparently, Switch cartridges have gone down in price recently, so that maybe that's why as well. Um, but also, CD Projekt Red are doing this port themselves, whereas Doom was out, um, outsourced to Panic Button, who are a good studio, but it's just it sort of says something when the core studio behind the game are doing the port themselves. Mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, I, I have no doubt that this is going to be a good port. And The Witcher is the kind of game you can sort of just chip away at. So to have that on a handheld seems like a match made in heaven. That does, yeah. Yeah, I, I have it on PS4. I got the Game of the Earth complete thing, but yeah, finding time. <laughs> so I have yeah. a massive <laughs> backlog, so... <clears throat> That's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, but it's still really cool. Hope, hopefully, other developers take note and start doing this more often because that's a really good thing. Specifically, Capcom, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, which launches into our next news story, which Devil May Cry uh, is launching on June twenty fifth for approximately twenty dollars, based on you know the regions that they did give prices for. So it's probably going to be about twenty bucks, so a little bit cheaper than Resident Evil. Um, so that's good. They learned that lesson, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, Ash, you got the try- chance to actually play it at E3. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say that the twenty bucks is probably the appropriate price for this, if not even fourteen ninety nine. It is much like Resident Evil Four, the most bare bones port imaginable. I mean, it le- you know, I only got to play one mission, so maybe I didn't get the whole feature set. Maybe there were some options that were hidden to me, but there was no HD rumble. No gyro, not that I'm sure we'd need gyro for for DMC, but like basically no additional stuff or even quality of life fixes that I could tell or or enhancements. So again, maybe I had a gimped demo and there may be HD Rumble on the final one, but it seems like it really is just a literal bare bones port job. And so, you know, if you're a DMC fan, you want to play it on, on Switch, that's cool, but just don't go in expecting like a really high effort port from what I played. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the problem right now. I'm on the PlayStation Store. I'm looking at Devil May Cry HD Collection. <laughs> it is £25, oh, which yeah. is roughly $30. So mm. I'm not sure $20 is a good price for DMC1. No. Yeah, I, I would almost say 14 99 To be fair, though, 
one of the games in the collection is pretty much worthless. So you could take DMC two out of the equation and then really just sure. consider it one and three for thirty bucks versus <laughs> a basic port of one for twenty. True. Uh huh. <laughs> So, I'm I interested in seeing. Do they do they have the audacity to sell two on its own for twenty dollars? I mean, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. I guess we'll, it depends on how well this port does. But I, you know, I feel like companies are getting to a point where they start to need start need, needing to put in a little bit more effort with these ports than yeah, especially for and, ones that've been on other consoles. It just like you can't just do the get rich quick idea anymore with uh, with a lot of these. Well, and as John and I have talked about before in the Discord, it makes no sense because Okami was amazing. Like, it's almost like a completely different porting team handled that one because that, in my opinion, is the best version of that game yet. It is fantastic, except it doesn't have 4K, but whatever, that's fine. And yet then you get these, you know, you these Capcom ports of much more historically significant games. And I love Okami, obviously. It's one of my favorite games, but Resident Evil 4 is one of the most important games of all time. And yet they just put no effort into that and yet they put all the effort into <clears throat> all the effort into Okami what are they thinking it's weird mm-hmm. yeah they set an example with Okami and then just completely ignored that example <laughs> it's it's so weird and like we have had a few good Capcom ports like the Phoenix Wright uh, trilogy that, that was a good that was a pretty good port yeah but it's also different I think that that came out uh, at the same time as other platforms so when it comes to the switch specific ports they are just completely botching it at the moment Right, and they and they seem to be taking this weird scattershot approach too, because as I said in our e, one of our E3 wrap up discussions, Resident Evil Six on Switch does have HD rumble, at least for when I fought that assault rifle, fired that assault rifle with Chris. So they are putting at least a minimal amount of effort into Six, which is the one no one likes. Right. So yeah. I don't understand what they're they got to put that in there here. so people might actually be tempted to play it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, six is the most action heavy, which should mean it should be the most in need of gyro as well. That's but, good point. Um, from the demo, it just seems like it doesn't have. Like, it's just HD Rumble. No, no gyro at all. Yeah. Which is super weird. Maybe yeah. if maybe if people are vocal enough, they'll patch in that stuff later. I wouldn't expect it, but maybe. I think people are vocal. I mean, yeah. the Resident Evil 4 leaderboards, the first place just says, add, add gyro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, they know. Hopefully they do. What I mean, it's just, don't treat your, your ports of the, these historically important games like that. Like, Square Enix has the same problem. They finally uh, patched FF7 to get rid of that music bug, but, like, FF9 is still just the Steam version, and yet it has a two-player component that should be there on the Switch. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes uh, sense, but so frustrating. Not. Yep. Well, let's talk about something a little bit bit cuter. As uh, a Twitter user going by the name Comet Metal uh, actually shared a little factoid on Twitter that kind of blew up for a couple people because uh, the dog that you encounter in uh, Super Mario Odyssey turns out to be just a direct model of the Shiba Inu, Shiba Inu from Ten Dogs and Cats. It's just lifted right from that game. Popped in Mario uh, Mario Odyssey. And I love that. <laughs> so and you go, good. And you I look at the two, and it is it, it is one for one. It's the same thing. <laughs> right. I remember playing Odyssey and suspecting that this might have been the same model as Nintendox, but of course didn't do the actual comparison. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just really cute that they managed to get away with this for one because this is a 3DS model and it kind of fits right in at home with with Odyssey for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great little coincidence and a nice nod to Nintendox. Yeah, and it's just it is kind of a cool like rare window into how Nintendo and other companies reuse their assets across games. And in in this case it's specifically cool because as you said, 
it's from a 3DS game going to Switch. So it's not as though it's from a even another Mario game. It's like, oh no, they're taking something that they made years and years ago for an entirely different platform and and reusing it for Odyssey, which I just love stuff like that. Finding out the what stuff gets reused from game to game and, and the thinking behind that. Mm-hmm. One cool thing as well is in Nintendogs Plus Cats, there are the models for the Mario Kart 7 um, character models and carts in there. So that game has right. Mario Kart 7, and now Mario Odyssey has Nintendogs. <laughs> so it's just like this sort of full circle Mario and Nintendogs shared universe. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and actually, if you like stuff like this, I have spent way too many hours on a site called The Cutting Room Floor. Uh, it's tcrf.net. If you listeners are into stuff like this, go on that site and be prepared to lose like a, at least a whole day of your life because there is so much cool stuff to look up about pretty much every game you can imagine, and it, it's all about stuff like this. Hmm. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> yep, just an interesting little tidbit because overall, news post E3 is kind of light, which it always tends to be. <laughs> right. But we did get NPD numbers and, you know, nothing too surprising or crazy about them this year, this this month. But they did have an interesting little uh, thing to note here where they listed out the top 10 best-selling third-party uh, games on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, so the top 10, starting with the... Uh, uh, with 10 going to 1, so, uh, yeah, 10 to 1, <laughs> just to remind, uh, is FIFA 18, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, NBA uh, NBA 2K18, uh, Lego The Incredibles, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, <laughs> Just Dance 2018, Just Dance 2019, Diablo 3 Eternal Collection, Crash Bandicoot The Insane Trilogy, and Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. <laughs> Even third-party Mario tops the list. (laughs) Yeah. I bet Activision are eating right now. I mean, you've got both Crash and Diablo Mm 3 in the top three there. Oh, yeah. And then you got Ubisoft with Mario and the Just Dance games. Right. Right. Those guys must be happy. And I I wouldn't be surprised at all if you get more Blizzard ports after Diablo 3. Because it it felt like it kind of came out and went. But by by this chart, it seems like it must have sold really well. Seriously. <laughs> I guess so, which which is funny yeah. because at least when we played it, it didn't seem like it was the most exciting version of Diablo 3 you could play. Yeah. It's just Diablo with a Ganondorf skin. Yeah. 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 So, But apparently people really wanted it. So, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting list. I, I am a little offended that Sonic Mania is not on there, but I'm going to put – I'm going to say that that's only because – Everyone's already bought it. I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> also, it's MPD, so I guess the, these are just physical sales. Oh, yeah. good point. Most, okay. of, most of Sonic will be digital. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. I did so maybe, yeah, Sonic's number one. We'll just say Sonic's number one. <laughs> Sonic's number one, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised Just Dance 2019 did better than 18, though. I thought Just Dance would be the kind of launch title you pick up on the side. Um, so to hear that 2019's outdone the launch title is kind of impressive. Seriously. It's. Yeah. Yeah. Something else. And uh, Monster Hunter Love continues and. I did, did, would not have expected Lego The Incredibles on here. <laughs> there were two Lego games on there. Yeah. Was it Lego The Incredibles and Lego... Uh, Marvel Super Heroes 2. Too, yeah. um, right. Those yeah. Lego games continue to be really popular. And you know what? I, I firmly believe there is nothing the Just Dance series can't accomplish. The fact that this series just got a new Wii game, a Wii version announced, and not a Wii U version, that is... I mean, <laughs> that just says it all right there, right? One, one final middle finger to the Wii U... And yet, Just Dance is the one series I can think of that's still coming out with Wii ports. Yeah, I think they explained right. that they, they, you know, they have a lot of places that uh, use the Wiis in like civic centers and yeah, like, that makes sense. Stuff oh, like true. that, just use yeah. it. So they, that's kind of what they're putting out for. Yeah, I've got a hit for you guys. 
Lego Just Dance. That's <laughs> how you break the charts. Nice. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. I mean, we got Lego Forza, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the last bit of news we had this week is that uh, in an interview with um, Ayanuma, Kotaku discovered that the Breath of the Wild sequel is being made mainly because the team had so many ideas for DLC that they eventually went like, should we just make it this a, uh, make this a new game? Just make a direct sequel and go from there and start from scratch? Okay. <laughs> and that's what they did. So that's why we're getting a sequel instead of more DLC. It's because they just had that many ideas for this setting. What's hmm. interesting about this is the actual DLC we got wasn't that great. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that they had so many ideas, and they were like, nah, <laughs> just save them for the sequel. That is interesting when you when you think of it in that context, and I guess we can only hope that that's not what they mean. Like, <laughs> hopefully, they don't mean more of what we saw in the actual DLC we got because, as you it. said, it wasn't. No, I know, but it, yeah, it wasn't that great. But yeah, I fully expect them to really bring it with all these crazy, cool new ideas they apparently have for Breath of the Wild two. And honestly, this reminds me of nothing so much as Super Mario Galaxy two, where they basically said the exact same thing in terms of yeah, they they had so many ideas left over after making Galaxy one that they they wanted to initially just make it like a 1.5 type thing, but like, no, we have so many new ideas, let's just make a sequel. So hopefully, though, Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't take uh, uh, Galaxy 2's cue in having like no story at all, because Breath of the Wild did that already, and it sucked. So mm-hmm. hopefully, with it, like we said with this trailer, it seems like they're going for more of a story focus this time, and I really hope that's true, because what we've seen, obviously, is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. I don't have much doubt that this is story-focused. It seems like a direct sequel. We have more characters this time. I mean, at least like more central characters with Ganondorf in the fray, too. And uh, Zelda just seems more ready to go than ever. Yeah. I mean, of course, we've only seen little, little glimpses from the trailer. But as people have pointed out, her shorter hair uh, is very interesting because um, now that it's shorter, it won't clip through armor or other clothes like that. Exactly. So maybe, maybe she's playable. Maybe. I think that would be so cool, especially if in a co-op, if you could pick who you want single player, but also if there's any co-op thing going on, can you imagine, like, is, is Breath of the Wild's incredible design, but built for co-op play? That could be That'd so be amazing. amazing, right? <laughs> it could yeah. be really cool. I, I don't know if we'll see a fully playable Zelda or not. I'm a little unsure in that regard, um, because I, I've seen other people notice is that this Zelda is not really an action princess. She's more of a scholar. That's what she wanted to be because she had trouble with the whole uh, yeah. goddess thing. But that doesn't mean she can't be completely unplayable. I, I think it'd be really cool if she had her own focus sections where she solved puzzles. And you mm-hmm. maybe swap back and forth between the two where she solves puzzles so Link can fight, go ahead and you know take care of any enemies in the meantime and that kind of thing. I think, it'd be, I think right. that could be really interesting. I agree that she's more of a scholar Zelda. But she also, I think this is a good chance to make her grow as well. True. Because um, in yeah. Breath of the Wild, she was in prison for like 100 years. And now she's the ruler of, of Hyrule. The, her, her father's dead. Uh, I think this would be a great chance to like, let her expand her character a bit more and become more of an action character. True. Yeah. And I, I think I would almost rather her not be playable at all than have her relegated to a side puzzle-solving role. Because that is a... That's a stereotype we've seen done in so many games where the lead male character has this token I mean, yeah, female sidekick it, who can only solve puzzles and not fight. It and is I hate like that. I, I understand that, Ash, but at least this has proper story context where it was already established true. that way. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tetra Tetra is the bigger uh, problem to me. Is like where she's this true. action girl, and then as soon as she becomes princess, well, can't fight anymore, can't do anything. 
And we right. we did get a badass playable Zelda in uh, Hyrule Warriors, so there is certainly it's not as though they've never done it. Mm. And Cadence of Hyrule just did it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I we'll wait and see. I'm totally down for a playable Zelda. Like, hey, I'll take baby steps too. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not greedy, but I, I I'm definitely intrigued where they could take this story and what they might do next. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Derek, before we move on to the next section of the podcast is, uh, should we ask John, do you have any thoughts about Dr. Mario World? Because you were not on that discussion Oh, with yeah, us. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. I think the trailer's super weird, like, <laughs> <laughs> giving all the gems voices. Um, the, the voice direction was strange, too. Right? Like, I kind of dig it, but uh, on my first listen, I was like, what, 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 kind of, what kind of theme are they going for here? But um, I think it's just to make them seem... I don't know, like, sort of just passive for everything. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. And it's, it's almost it's as though direction. they didn't, like, put all their effort into, like, they're, they're like, okay, we want voices, we want to do this, but let's not really go for it. Let's just go as low effort as we can. And it felt, it feels like that's what they did with the voices. <laughs> right. Um, the actual gameplay seems pretty good. I think this is the best they could do without just making a flat-out Dr. Mario game, which maybe they should have done. <laughs> um, but it looks interesting enough. I'm, mm. I'm not sure... I mean, I think I, I, what I want really is just another Dr. Mario game, a traditional one, on Switch. But this seems like a good way to tide me over. Um, and uh, it sounds like they have, they have like a good roadmap, because they're saying there's going to be more stuff in the future as well. Uh, I think this has a good potential of meeting a broader audience than maybe a traditional Dr. Mario game would. Mm. Yeah, I think, I know, I think that's a fair, uh, fair point. And my only hope is, or I guess my the thing, I always like when they do something new with Dr. Mario because it gives me hope that maybe they'll remember that they also made Puzzle League and bring it back uh-huh. someday. <laughs> but for also, now, um, it's Dr. I, Mario. I love the other Doctors too. Everyone in the Mushroom Kingdom yeah. is a Doctor now. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Dr. Peach is a great design. I, there's so much Dr. Peach on my Twitter timeline at the moment. People love that design. Yeah. It's so good. Dr. Peach and Dr. Bowser are great, and thank God they did not fall into the easy pothole or pitfall of, of making her Nurse Peach. I'm so oh, glad sure. they didn't do that. Sure, sure, sure. They're learning. They know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our Patreon topics for this week. And uh, as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon, get these podcasts three days early every Friday. Uh, and uh, get access to our Discord, of course, uh, ask questions like these. So, uh, who'd like to go first? Um, I guess I can go first, I suppose. All right. All right. So, my question comes from David Mott, and I think we might, might have had like a riff on this question before, but it's slightly different. So he says, Welcome back, guys. Hope E3 wasn't too taxing on you. For my question, are there any villains in games that you uh, like more than the heroes? Either, th- either for their appearance or comedic moments, performances, or just how straight-up evil they are. Some of my favorites include Dr. Eggman, Neocortex, and M. Bison. Thanks. So, my answer to this is always Albert Wesker. I think he steals <laughs> the show in Resident Evil 5. Without Wesker, that game would be so much worse. <laughs> and uh, with every, every Resident Evil game, I'm always hoping they bring back Wesker somehow, even though he kind of, you know, melted. But, but to have him <laughs> just sort of come back in Resident Evil 8 would be a dream come true. Um, they tried to sort of um, capture his essence again with his with his son in Resident Evil Six, but no, I hate Jake Wesker. He's the yeah. worst. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Albert Wesker is obviously my favorite. I love him in, in Umbrella Chronicles. Love him in Five. Love him in uh, even in Four. He's behind the scenes a bit, but I think he's, he's just the go-to video game villain for me. But yeah, what about you guys? Any villains that you think are better than the actual protagonists in games? 
Oh I mean, man, I mean that's such a big one. <laughs> yeah, Bowser actually is a really good one because Mario almost has no personality, where Bowser very much does, mm-hmm. especially in the RPGs. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, Wesker is such a good one because even as a kind of like an armchair, like casual RE fan, like whenever I think of Wesker, I immediately think of his iconic voice and the whole total global saturation, and he's uh-huh. just he's such a perfect <laughs> villain. I love him. Um, he's great I, in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom as well, actually. Yes, he is. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would have to give a shout out to Hades from Kid Icarus Uprising, oh, and nice, not because nice. I don't like Pit. Pit is awesome, but Hades is—he's on his own level. I mean, Hades is maybe my favorite Nintendo villain ever. Period, including Bowser. He's just that good. And so, yeah. even though Pit is an awesome hero and I love him, Hades is just that fantastic a villain. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think of who else. I mean. Um, uh... David here has a really good list between Dr. Eggman and Cortex. <laughs> yeah. Although, mm, I would say I actually really like Sonic as a character, so I don't think I'd, I'd put Dr. Eggman over Sonic in terms of... Like, I don't know. Eggman steals the show a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's he pretty steals great. the movie, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he can if he can compare to the true Sonic villain, Zavok, who has so much personality. Oh, and so Apparently, Sega wants him. They're trying to make him a thing, and he's just not... This going to be a uh, Zavok game. Like just, it's just called Zavok. Right. <laughs> I don't um, know what he's going to do. What's his power again? He's just kind of, he's just kind of like beefy. That's just, that's his power. I mean, he's he's deadly, and he's part of a group of six other villains. I think that's about all yeah. he. <laughs> that's all he is. Um, I I would have to give. I, I like Terra a lot actually as a protagonist. So this oh, one sure. isn't quite as clear cut for me. But Kefka. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Kefka is an amazing villain. It, just in the sense he's not that deep, but he's just so evil, and you just you right. cannot wait to just take him out because he's so so horrible. On the same length, um, the characters in Wind Waker are all great, but Ganondorf oh, is yeah. just such a relatable yeah. character, which is something you can't really say for Ganondorf in most games. But there's just this sorrow and ambition that you sort of feel with Ganondorf there, and you feel bad for him. Um, and he's easily the best character in that game. I'd agree easily. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do really love to like that version of Link, Wind Waker Link, because he does have a personality. But it is hard. I mean, mm. that that version of Ganondorf is really cool. And see, that's that's hard. Well, I guess we're not comparing him to Tetra because I do love Tetra as well. But that's mm-hmm. hard because I really like that version of Link and Tetra in, They're all in great. their own right. Yeah. But no, that version of Ganondorf is great. Mm. <laughs> I hope we get like a, a small hint of that in Breath of the Wild too. I mean, he seems to be like an undead zombie, but if we get a little <laughs> bit of his his desperation in this game, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to hmm, think of, trying to think of uh, some other good ones. I mean, I mean, you know, be, I, I good. I'll be honest. I I kind of like Master Xehanort more than Sora at times. At least when he was at least when he was Ouch. voiced by at least when he was voiced by. Um, Oh um, yeah, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. That he, was one of the worst parts. Me. Yeah, yeah. He had just enraptured me with that. So I loved Master Xehanort. So I, you know, I really like Sora, but man, does he steal the show every time he shows up? And you can kind of get around it with Birth by Sleep. He's Master Xehanort is definitely more interesting than the main cast. Oh, I yeah. love Aqua, but let's be honest. <laughs> Yo, yeah, Xehanort. I put way over the you know the Aqua Ven and, and Terra. I I will say I can't go there with you about Sora. Sora's like one of my number one favorite characters, period. So mm-hmm. we'll go there with you, but he's close. And and especially the Leonard Nimoy version. I will say though that one of the worst parts of three was whoever they got to replace Leonard Nimoy. He was awful. Well, you, you're just never going to match it. 
True, but I mean, God, they could have gone a little closer to it. Maybe that I, know, I wasn't the voice director. I'm just probably talking, but you know, still, um, you know, I, I will say this one may not end up being true pretty soon. But up to now, I would say Sephiroth is a much more interesting villain than Cloud ever was as a protagonist. Um, because Cloud basically had the personality of Sandpaper in the original version of FF7. But <laughs> now with this new remake, I love how they're characterizing Cloud in this new remake, especially after playing it. So that may not be true in the remake, but as of now, I would say Sephiroth is a lot more interesting than Cloud. It's, I think they're about on the same part of me, um, yeah. honestly, mm. because Cloud has some interesting bits about him and Sephiroth has interesting bits as well, but then he's like... His whole moment is the um, the flashback in Nibelheim, because otherwise it's Genova mm-hmm. and chasing him around, and you know it's not even Sephiroth that you know does what he does. <laughs> well, there is a the whole killing Aerith thing too. I was trying to avoid that sure. spoiler since people oh, okay. have not played it yet. Well, I mean, but that oh, was really? not that, that was not him. I mean, there are new players maybe coming. Maybe he this, kills Aerith. <laughs> maybe he kills Aerith. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, I think. A Cloud and Sephiroth would both be weaker characters if it weren't for each other. Yeah, And that's sure. what makes them both good characters. Exactly. I think that's what sure. makes them a lot more interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, knowing you, uh, Ash, that neither Dr. Wily nor Sigma would... <laughs> I know. I kept thinking of them, and I wanted to give them shout-outs, but the straight-up truth is, I mean, I, I as much as I love Wily and Sigma... I really love Mega Man and X, so <laughs> it's just I can't I can't even go there because they're great villains, but but they're flanked by these heroes who are top top cream of the crop in my opinion. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to think of who else though because they're so. This is a great topic. Like I love what a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's most. I'm thinking about the Smash villains, um, and I don't think any of them are really that much stronger than the protagonists. Like K. Rool's a great character. But I don't think he. I wouldn't say he's better than Donkey Kong. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't say Ridley anywhere is, is anywhere near as cool as Samus. Right. I mean, Ridley's very cool, but yeah, you're, you're right. Samus is a much more uh, more grounded and, and relatable character. Right. right. Um, hmm. I know one for you, uh, Ash. And even though oh, I yeah? doubt you've ever played the game, <laughs> uh, the villain of the Wario Land series, Captain Syrup. Because you like anybody better oh. than Wario. Oh, you know what? I know enough about her that I... Yeah, because I hate Wario, and, and I have <laughs> exactly. seen... It makes it easy. I know enough about Captain Syrup and how much she is loved by the Wario fan base to agree with you that, yes, I can... <laughs> even not having played a, a game with her in it, I know I would like her way more than Wario. <laughs> That's a low bar, though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying... <laughs> But yeah, um, I've, I've, I've gone through... I, th- I think that's yeah. all the major ones, at least. So yeah. We'll go ahead and move on. Thank you very much, much, David. I think I'll go next. I think yours is a good one to end off on, uh, Okay. So, my, mine's a bit long. <laughs> this comes from Alex Rodriguez. It says, Hey, Game Explain, I've been watching the channel ever since Pokemon X and Y. Thank you very much for that one, because that's, that's me. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> I recently watched the Aladdin remake, which I was really excited for and ended, ended up loving a lot. I actually watched it about three times, and I know people that have watched it it five or more times. Gee, (laughs) so do we. (laughs) I never watched the original, but I watched it after I watched the remake, and I realized I liked the remake better, which I know I'm in the minority. My question is about live-action remakes in general. Why do most people think they are destined to suck? I know a lot of people that hate the idea of live-action remakes, but everyone always treats it like they will always suck compared to the original. The Lion, remake, Lion King remake is coming up, and people already think it will suck, and I 
but I am really excited about seeing my childhood movie in a different note, realistic in a in a different note, realistic and mature way. I think I could I could will always like the original, but I have an open mind thinking that I, that the remake could be better, even though I think it might not be. So, uh, and then the, the just addition to that is, um, why do you think video game remakes get better initial reception than movie remakes? They're both the same to me. So, there you go. This question could have been asked by Andre Seegers up until the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up until the end about The Lion King being promising. Yeah. I, the thing yeah. here with me is that it's just the fact that it feels like since these remakes are trying to be so close to the original, because I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it in decades at this point, but the original live-action Jungle Book made back in the 90s, I actually really liked that as a kid and could separate the two, but they're also very different takes from one another. And I don't see that with a lot of these Disney movies. They're pretty much kind of note for note. And yeah, Aladdin does change up quite a few things to make it its own unique thing, which makes it one of the stronger entries for these Disney remakes. But it's still just like, using Lion King as an example, you're losing the artistry. Like, comparing the footage, like, yeah, you're going more realistic. I don't know about more mature, but definitely more realistic, I guess. And the personality seems to be gone. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the most striking thing about this. That scene where Timon and Pomba and uh, Simba are walking on, on on that log, in the original version, they're dancing around. In the remake, they're just walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Of energy. And I also think it's it's important not to fall into the trap of, of automatically considering live action or realistic more mature. Because it's not necessarily. It's the subject matter that's mature or not. And mature itself can have many different meanings as well. And... I'd say The Lion King, the original, the animated version, told an incredibly mature story. And I don't think there's anything about this live-action version that's going to make it more mature. And it's, you know, it's like what you guys said, and I also have to add color. One thing I love about animation and fantasy is that you have these colorful, beautiful worlds that don't just look like the real world. And the real world's beautiful and awesome, but if I want to go see realistic versions of the Lion King characters, I'll go on a African savanna trip. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. I can I can do that. I can't get animated Lion King in the real world because it's a, it's a fantastic, it's an you know, embellished version of what happens in real life. So I, I love animation because it's based in fantasy. So when I go see something animated, I don't automatically think, oh man, this is cool, but it sure would be a lot better if it was live action. Like I... That doesn't mean uh-huh. that all live-action remakes are going to suck, but it just kind of makes me, by definition, not as interested. And it's not just Disney movies. Like, one of my favorite uh, anime movies uh, recently just got uh, remade live-action, or anime series just got remade live-action, and I don't like the look of it at all. So so what's that, Ash? Oh, it was uh, Your Lie in April. Oh, okay. One okay. of the best, saddest things I've ever watched in my life. But now they're remaking it in live action, and I just watched the trailer, and it's like it just loses all the magic. And uh-huh. yeah, I just and I don't know if I necessarily disagree or agree with the second part of the question though, which is video game remakes getting better initial reception than movie remakes. I kind of feel like they both get pretty negative reception in general, mm. don't they? I I don't I don't know about that. I don't that. think so. Um, yeah, actually, I, th- I think I think I might have an answer to this too. Okay. Um, I think most video game remakes are part of ongoing series. So Resident Evil 2 got remade. That doesn't mean Resident Evil 8 is not going to happen. Right. And the thing with The Lion King is we know The Lion King 4 isn't happening. We know Aladdin 4 isn't happening. So with these live-action remakes, they are basically trying to recreate something of a, of a concluded series. And with a lot of video game remakes, all these series are still going. 
So when you remake them, it's kind of just like another installment rather than something that's trying to replace something that was in the past. So I think that's the big difference here. Right. That, uh, movie remakes generally are taking something that, that has existed and has ended already, whereas video game remakes are not doing that. And that's, that's one aspect, but there's also the aspect of... There, a lot of these remakes are happening to early 3D games or you know stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you can get right. better artistry. You can get uh, you can fix some of the early issues with that and making it make it a more fun, potentially more fun experience. You still have the original experience that you can enjoy, but there's you have this like updated version that's a little bit more current. And I, I get that's kind of what the movie remakes are trying to do too, but you kind of lose a bit of the artistry there. And I, I guess the good example of this is. Uh, the secret, the secret of Mana remake. Um, yeah, like people love that game, and the, there's a specific style they have in their head, and this just isn't. It, it just didn't get the same reception. It looked a little too flat. It lose the lost a lot of the art, uh, the artwork, and that's the same sort of thing with these Disney uh, remakes. It's th- uh, technically better looking, but not, but doesn't have the same uh, artistic sense. Right, yeah. and I love the reaction to the Panzer Dragoon remake because mm-hmm. that is a passionate fan base, but it's also a fan base that doesn't get fed very often. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when you get a new game, uh, even if it is a remake, people are ecstatic for that. And it looks really good. It respects the source material, it updates it. Um, they've done a good job with it. Whereas, as you, as you say, Secret of Mana is one of the most regarded game, well-regarded games of all time. And that remake just didn't feel like it was a remake of, of that kind of caliber of a game. Whereas Panzer Dragoon's getting like the red carpet. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Square Enix is already learning because Trials of Mana remake looks way better. Way uh-huh. better. It looks fantastic. And uh, I guess th- this is this is related to your question, but, but it does have to do with the cross-pollination between video games and movies. But I would say that there is past precedent here for just assuming that a live-action remake of something is going to be bad, at least in the context of video games. Because look at what we have to go on. Double Dragon. Street Fighter, Super Mario Brothers. Now, to be fair, I think all three of those movies are a lot of fun to watch in their own context. But, you know, Sonic even hasn't come out yet, but it's not exactly looking promising. And, you know, I mean, I think when you when you t- take that part of it and you look at it in that context, it becomes pretty easy to see why people assume that a live-action remake of something that was not live-action before is probably not going to turn out great. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat, I would say, is the rare exception to that rule, at least where video games are concerned, but then the, the sequel came and ruined that. So, you know, and then we've got this Mega Man movie coming out, too, and I, I'm guilty. I'm already thinking, okay, well, if they say it's live action, so it's probably going to suck, or it's probably <laughs> not going to be what I look for in a Mega Man movie. So I'm guilty of that, too, but I think there's reason to kind of go there. Right. Mm-hmm. I also wonder if those who... Um Criticize live action remakes. Are they just a vocal minority? Because all of these movies still do really well. That's true. It's very possible. I think there's also the curiosity aspect. Is I'm going to complain about this, but I'm still going to see it. (laughs) Sure, that's true. I mean, that's also a good point. You see this stuff in like animation as well, like cartoons, where you know, like especially I'll talk to my dad about this because he works on Ninja Turtles in various ways. But like every time they reboot Ninja Turtles or introduce like a new take on it. There are always those people out there, the vocal minority, who are like, stop ruining my childhood. You've ruined my life. How could you do this? <laughs> and they're loud and they're obnoxious, but they still watch it. And they're, they're still, you know, and that I don't think they represent the majority of people. No. 
And there's so many different turtles that are different people's childhoods now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got the yeah, the eighties version or eighties, early nineties, you got the two thousand three version, you got the what was it, the Nickelodeon version in twenty twelve, you got the current version now for current right. kids. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's Yeah, it's like I, I don't I don't like the look of the Lion King. But if I go on my Facebook feed and look at something Disney's posted, there's gonna be a billion comments of people who are excited for that movie. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just different opinions from different people. Yeah. Yeah, and it may also just have to do, you know, with with individual tastes in like in general, like in in entertainment. I know for my like myself in general, whether it's video games, TV, movies, whatever, I do like a lot of live action stuff, but I, especially with video games, I really really go for the super fantastic, super colorful, super crazy stuff that you wouldn't see in live action. So I like really colorful games, really out there environments and and not just stuff that you'd see in a Call of Duty game, for example. So mm-hmm. it just may just have to do with what you personally like, too. There are people out there who probably prefer live-action entertainment in general, and they're going to go for that stuff more. Yeah. Right. Like Some people think the Link's Awakening remake looks bad. I think it looks like the best-looking game on Switch. <laughs> it looks fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. what... Yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah. It's, it's a weird <laughs> thing, but... Well, actually, this is kind of a good segue into your topic, Ash. Right, so my topic is uh, short and sweet this week. It comes from Straw Hat Ninja, who says, Greetings, GX. I just wondered what your favorite part of this year's E3 was. I really enjoyed your coverage. Keep up the great work. So thank you for that. And, uh, and yeah, I just figured this is a good way to you know wrap up this week just because E3, it's topical. Um, you know, we've all talked about E3 a little bit, but now that it's been a week out, uh, we've had some time to percolate. Uh, I know even a week out, though, Nothing has changed about my game of the show. It is still very much FF7 Remake. That was Uh my favorite part of E3. Uh, Everything having to do with it. When we were watching Square Enix Conference and seeing that trailer for the first time, and when I played it, and when I saw the playable demo, you know, everything to do with 7 Remake was my favorite part of E3. It's just looking so damn good. (laughs) Absolutely. Going into E3, I wasn't sure about the combat, Watching the trailer, I was sold. Playing the game, I understood it immediately, too. Yeah. Like, I thought there'd be some kind of learning curve, but no, you go straight into your first battle, and the combat just makes sense. Uh, and they do a brilliant job at teaching you all the intricacies, and by the end of the demo, you're a master of it, and it's like a 10-minute demo. <laughs> yeah. It feels so good and so immediate. It, like, it's 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 really is just a, a, a wonderful expansion upon it, because, like... On the surface, it's just the, the, the demo takes place from the time you leave Jesse to the time you fight the guard scorpion in the original game. That is literally a, what, one-minute section? <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've expanded it this much, shown this much extra stuff, and then it, it, it's enough to give you just enough of, a, of an idea of what you're in for between just the size of, re, of the reactor, seeing all the the Mako at the bottom, um, you know, fighting all the individual enemies on the way down, so how they're going to you know handle the whole random battle thing so you can still get experience and everything. Uh, and then just the fight itself and just, you know, it's not a hard fight, but the, the spectacle of it is so cool. Yeah, and you're yeah. always on your toes too. It's not a hard fight, as you say. But you do always have to be doing different things and switching between Cloud and Barrett. Uh, and yeah, it makes the most of the combat system. And it kind of sold me on the idea of different episodes as well. Because even though it is a short segment, every single moment of it felt as polished as it could be. And if the, entire of the, if the entirety of the game is like that, because of these episodes, then I'm all for it. 
Mm-hmm. I could not agree with you more. I like even if, as I've said on Twitter, even if we're fighting safer Sephiroth in like twenty thirty five, I'm okay with that because if they're really remaking every aspect of FF seven or all the major story beats like this, it's so thoroughly impressive, and they're they're expanding the Midgar portion so much in terms of adding new stuff in and new angles and new parts of Midgar that you haven't seen before. If that, if that's what they're doing with this and the approach they're taking with seven as a whole. Take your time, man. Like, mm. like if, if this part one, it's only Midgar, has enough game content to fill up two Blu-rays, apparently, take your time. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Like, really, because it's so impressive what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the original game, you, you got the sense that uh, Shinra sucked. You know, everybody talked about how much Shinra, Shinra <laughs> is awful. Um, but, you, you know... It's like, man, how does the people not know realize this this thing's evil? I guess just everybody realizes they're evil and they're just too powerful to stop it. And I like the moment I keep going back to is just this little commercial from Shinra saying, you know, how they're you know, they use Mako as a safe energy source and bettering the lives of people is like and we don't really see the lives of people on the upper portion of the plates in Final Fantasy VII. And I kind of hope for the remake we actually get a little taste of that about the class divide between the slums and people on the top of the plate and showing how they're just, they just buy into whatever Shinra says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've already seen an early, an early look at uh, kind of maybe the theming they're going for around avalanche where, where Tifa says, you know, I just feel trapped. I want to make a difference, but not like this. And in the original FF seven kind of dabbles in, av- you know, the uh, looking at, at what avalanche is doing from various viewpoints and certain viewpoints, maybe thinking, Oh, maybe what they're doing yeah, for the greater good, but the way they're doing it's pretty bad and pretty violent. And, you know, does that justify the greater good and whatever? But it seems like they're going to lean more heavily into that, especially with how much more realistic and, and uh, you know, fantastic the graphics are. You're not just looking at basic polygons as characters. You're looking at these fully featured people. And so it seems like maybe they're going to lean heavily into the tragedy uh, surrounding, you know, Avalanche doing what they see as the greater good, but you know, having to do a lot of nasty stuff to do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But they got Cloud's proportions completely wrong. Cloud's meant to have giant square <laughs> hands. Yes. And he doesn't have that in this room. Weird. Completely What's true. up with that square? Yeah. It's, it's so, it ruins it for me, but I'll still play it. <laughs> um, I guess, now, if we're not talking about just the games that we played, and this will be quick, my favorite part of E3 was Banjo. Like, that. Uh-huh. I mean, done. Period. Easy. Gone. Mm-hmm. Though we, I think the thing is, is we all kind of went into E3 expecting Banjo. So my best surprise, I think, was the Panzer Dragoon remake. Just seeing it, yeah. I, mean, I think they yeah. kind of they talked about it a bit beforehand. Kind of said like, "Oh, maybe we'll do this," but just seeing it at E3 was kind of a big deal. I think. Yeah, sure, definitely, and it seemed- oh, and, and Secret of Mana as well. Yeah. <laughs> Both the uh, oh, that was actually, actually get into the collection, having a surprise Trials of uh, Trials of Mana remake, and actually looks good. Yes, a Final Fantasy VIII remaster. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Like, there's a lot of fun uh-huh. surprises, specifically from Square Enix. Um, but outside of Final Fantasy VII, and uh, by the way, I should also mention, like, Ash Painted is sort of this dour thing, which it might still be, but there was human in that de- humor in that demo. Like, Cloud is not mm. a, you know, oh, no. piece of there's, wood there's like some good Advent Children. <laughs> no, no, and that's there's what I... Banter. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm actually most excited about, is that they're finally making Cloud into a character I care about. Like, I actually enjoy seeing him on screen, whereas, again, in OG FF7, he has the personality of, like, a rock. And then in Advent Children, they completely undo everything, all the development he had in 7. So mm-hmm. maybe they're finally getting Cloud right to a point where 
I won't just wish Zack is on screen whenever he's on screen. Yeah. Who was the stupid character in Crisis Core? Was it called Angeal or something? Oh, yeah. Do you think, do you Which think one? he's going to be in this remake? I, I don't think they're going to be putting Gacked into this game. <laughs> See, I'm actually going to disagree because they, they just came out with an interview and said that they are rebuilding this remake to include elements of the entire compilation oh, of FF7. God. Oh, to God. which I replied... I Zack. Oh, yeah. Zack was cool. He's already kind of in the original game. But if they bring Angeal in, then... If they bring in this no, stuff man. for the whole deep ground or whatever oh i know all that nonsense uh vice and deep ground and cisne and and genesis and all that nonsense bring on the crazy i am i am ready to see them try to establish all of this and make it make sense within the wider universe of ff7 i'm i'm all for it bring on the crazy no i disagree (laughs) (laughs) fair enough i don't blame you a certain amount of crazy don't bring in all the crazy yeah exactly there's enough (laughs) Um, nah, man. Geostigma, Kadalish, do it, do it all. <laughs> but outside of uh, Final Fantasy, for me, the uh, other really fun game was Luigi's Mansion Three. That game just oh, clicked yeah. with me, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like really looking forward to playing it now. Uh, I just had the most fun with it outside of Seven. I was surprised mm, by how much it, good. it feels great, and I was surprised by how much it won me over as a non-Luigi's Mansion fan. I've all just been kind of like, okay, those games are cool. I've mostly skipped out on Dark Moon, didn't feel like I was missing much, but now I'm like, actively, I really want to play this game. Mm-hmm. Dark Moon was kind of eh. Like, yeah. it, it was I fine. enjoyed Dark um, Moon. I, I'm, I'm very rare in that regard, but I, I really like Dark Moon. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I kind of felt Dark Moon, its combat felt a bit bland. I think the slam in 3 makes it, it feel more reactive and gives more feedback to it. Mm-hmm. The slam feels really good. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it's... And also the boss, there's, there's like proper boss fights in this, too. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Moon, all I really, really remember was a spider or something. <laughs> I can't remember the boss fights in that oh, game right. at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 3 seems to like bring back the personality of the first game when it comes to the bosses. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. To it. it takes the best elements from one and two, makes it into a nice cohesive whole. Yes, yes, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one one cool aspect of E3, and this is less like the game itself and more our experience with it. But I did really enjoy. Like we got several, most of us got several turns with Link's Awakening, and what was fun was trying to use our knowledge of the original to get through as much of the game as we could in 15 minutes, which ultimately did culminate in us finishing the Tail Cave and finding out that that is where the demo actually ends. But, John, I know you were trying the other day to exit back out of the Tail Cave with the Rock's Feather to jump the boundary uh, that's, like, north of the woods (laughs) to go into places that Nintendo may not actually be ready to show us yet. Were you able to do that? I wasn't, but I have another attempt on Monday. (laughs) Oh, nice! I hope you can! (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was well when I during my time with the demo, I my, that was my my plan, but I also wanted to see more of the game and I kind of wasted my time just trying to see it <laughs> rather than just going for uh for that objective. That makes so sense. On Monday, I'm just going to go straight in, go into the tail cave, get Rock's feather and run out immediately. Do <laughs> do nothing more than that. <laughs> if if you can if you can pair that with also getting the magic powder at the crane game instead of where you're supposed to get it, then you'll have so much time. Ooh, that's kind of risky, though. It is risky. Uh, I, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> Especially because the mechanics are different. Like, the physics are different for the Crane game and the remake. But, right. yeah, so w- I had talked to someone who had had a friend who'd done this, and unfortunately they weren't recording at the time. But Nintendo oh, actually stepped in at E3. Their, their handler stepped in and said, hey, you know, stop playing. 
Like hey, we, don't do that. Yeah, like like we didn't even know this was possible, but like you're not supposed to be here, so stop playing. So yeah, I'm really around. curious <laughs> if that happens to you, if you're able to do it. Probably. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll risk it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, but yeah, if you guys want my actual uh, favorite thing of E3, um, actually having all of us together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was no, that's rare. true. The, the, the true E3 is the friends we meet along the way. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> that is, no, that was, yeah, like going beyond the games and the actual content at the show, having literally the full team together in person for the first time ever mm-hmm. was my favorite part of the show. Yeah. Big team, too. And yeah. We had, like, we, had, we had us guys. We had um, like me, Derek, Ash, Andre. We also had Steve and, um, and Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and Tom <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. it a big, exactly there's a I lot mean, of us there for the most part we all slept in the same place too yeah. um, I think on day three all of us were in the same room yeah because we were out just you know hanging out for so late like having dinner and drinks and we got back at like two in the morning and I'm like I'm not going home right now <laughs> so right. yeah but uh, but no I like that was absolutely the best part otherwise and mm-hmm. it was just it, it was such a treat to be able to do that with the entire team yeah everybody was uh-huh. did their own thing it felt like a very cohesive whole hopefully we caught everything hopefully that made it apparent from the people watching at home it's always hard to tell how you're doing it's just sort of like grab the content throw it up there but yeah i, I feel like we did good had a good team yeah. hopefully we can repeat that next year I sure. hope so. S- seeing um, seeing Tom do his thumbnail stuff in person—that's a magical thing. It is right. Just peering over it, yeah. Peering over and seeing the, all these Photoshop functions you never knew existed. Yeah, I'm. I, I bear. I know the basics. That's it. I, I mean, I'm not even good with the basics. I'm I'm terrible at Photoshop. But even with someone like me, he was able to teach me a very easy way to get the colored game explain te- logo text we've been using recently mm-hmm. and i'm like oh man i'll never know how to do this like, oh it's actually really easy just like try this i'm like holy crap i can actually do this and remember how to do it that actually is easy <laughs> awesome tom's a treasure yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and do our game for this week uh which comes to us from daniel snoutling who says is this indie game real or fake so hey guys i've made a quiz called shovelware or shovel nowhere there's 18 questions in a tiebreaker, and the questions are true or false questions on a given title and description for if, for if a Switch indie game is real. So, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this one. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, keeping score as usual. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. All right. All right. First up is Goose and Duckling. Uh, description is such. Uh, Goose and Duckling are two best friends in a platforming world on a hunt to find their lost friends. <laughs> Goose and Duckling. Goose and Duckling. Uh, I want this to be real. <laughs> it's a great name. It is. I'm going to say real. I'm going to say fake. I'm going to say fake. It is. Come on, Goose and Duckling. Fake. Uh, All someone, right. ma- someone make that game right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Untitled Goose Game sequel. <laughs> yeah. Or DLC. There you go. All right. Next up, Laronia. You don't know who you are. You don't know who to trust. The only thing you know is that you need to escape. That sounds real. Sounds real. I've never, never heard of it. I've though. never heard of it. It does sound real. So I'm going to go true. Mm. Yeah, I'm going true. Yeah, I'll go true too. Fake. Wow. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> All right. This, this person needs to just um, Come up with get game themselves com- into indie development. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is Doggy Ninja. Doggy plus ninja equals doggy ninja. Here they come. If this isn't real, it needs to be yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to go um, fake on this one. Yeah, sadly, sadly, 
I'm gonna go it's fake because I feel like they'd call it like um, puppy ninja or something if it was real. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I was gonna say real, but I think that's good logic. Fake. John, uh, John, once again, Ash leading you astray. It's real. Oh, oh man, is it real? Never listen to Paulson. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm happy to be wrong. I'm just glad it's real. <laughs> I gotta check this out. Nice. Oh, goodness. Number four. Sushi time. Manage a sushi bar and become a tycoon of Japanese food. This feels real to me. If it weren't mm. for the exclamation point, I'd say fake. But <laughs> having it in there, yeah. I think it's real. Hmm. I'm going to say fake. Okay. It is real. Ah! ah. Nice. All right. Finally a point. <laughs> there we go. Oh, wait. There we go. All right. Okay. Next up is Valley of the North. Fans of mystery and puzzles will solve this. Well, excuse me. Fans of mystery and puzzles will love this mind bending game. This sounds too authentic to be real. I'm going to say it's fake. <laughs> I see what you mean. I'm going to say it's fake. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go fake as well. It is fake. Nice. Uh-huh. All, right. All right. So after five questions, Derek, you are in the lead with three. And Ash, or John and I are trailing with two. Okay. Next nice. up is Percy's Predicament Deluxe. Control Percy Penguin, who has become trapped within a magical orb. <laughs> <laughs> the deluxe part's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, this could go the other way. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm going to go real. Um, I, I want it to be real. <laughs> man, I do too. Yeah, I say real. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to say false. Control Percy Penguin. All right. All right. I'm going to say false. It's real. Yeah, I'm real. Damn it. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, was pre- it was predicament that threw me off because uh-huh. I just like, that sounds so boring. <laughs> all right. Next up is Move It. Move along and clap your hand to the catchy beats. You know what? This feels real. This feels like a definite shovelware title. <laughs> it does. Cla- hmm. How do we clap our hands to the beat, though? I'm going to say it's fake. How do you just dance? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. What if you're... I'm not feeling this. What if you're hitting the Joy-Con like you're... Yeah, maybe. 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 I know what you mean, though. What, like, how would you clap your hand to the beat? That's a good point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with real, though. Hmm. Man, John, you've you've kind of got me. I was going to say real, but yeah, clapping your hand. I don't know how you do that on Switch, so I'm going to say fake. It is fake. Ooh. Ah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is eight. Gym Hero. Gym Hero is a clicker game where your main goal is to reach is to reach by your avatar the dream weight. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know if he mistyped this or if it's actually authentic, like just pulling a description from the Switch. But let me try this again in what, how it's actually written. Gym Hero is a clicker game where your main goal is to reach, by your avatar, the dream weight. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this is not real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be real if they just lifted the description straight from the eShop because there are so many really funny, like, English exactly. descriptions that, on there. That part yeah. makes me think it's real, but Maybe. I can't imagine a clicker game on the Switch. Yeah. I guess this doesn't have to be on the Switch. Like, it, it could be all in the Oh, yeah, games, I guess right? it could be. Um, oh, no, no, say... the quiz, oh, the quiz focuses on lesser known titles on the Switch. So this okay. is on Switch. Right. I'm going to say. I guess that. Yeah, maybe. I'm, gonna I'm, say I'm fake. still saying no. Yeah, fake. Yeah. I'll be the odd one to go real. All right. It's real. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. I want to read this description now, the official one. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. That typo's in there. Me too. That's so good. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up is Hook. 
It is more of a game-like experience than a challenge. <laughs> what description is that? What does that mean? That sounds real to me because that sounds like one of those BS eShop descriptions. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go real. Yeah, real. Yeah, same here. It is real. Nice. Of course it is. <laughs> what does that even mean, though? That is amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right. Number 10. Squarehead. The bigger the head, the more power. <laughs> These descriptions yeah, are too okay. good. That sounds real. Yeah, I'm going real. The bigger the head, the more power. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going real on that. I'm going to go fake, actually. Just because I, I, I feel like we've had too many reels in a row. It is fake. <laughs> All that's right. Like, um, that's just like the best counterfeit Spider-Man quote. That's so good. The more power. See, you said fake, right, Derek? Yeah, I said fake. All right, so after 10 questions, Derek is clearly in the lead with seven. Uh, John, you are in second with five, and I'm trailing with four. So Derek is the clear frontrunner here. I know my shovelware, apparently. Right. <laughs> All right, number 11, Voxel Sword. Voxel Sword is an easy-to-play action game set in an adorable toy fantasy world. Hmm. That name, name just annoys me. Real. Oh yeah, hmm. just because they're like, oh, we have real. we have voxels, and it's just no, the name annoys me. It may be real, it just annoys me. All um, oh, right, okay. I'm for some reason I'm gonna go fake on this. I don't know why, but it just feels kind of fake. I think it's real, but I understand your annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> your annoyance in the title. <laughs> I'm gonna <Yeah>. go real. <laughs> All right, it is real. Ah oh, man, I'm doing uh, terrible at this one. <laughs> Ash is not buying that That's game. You know, <laughs> you know why you're doing terribly, Ash? It's because you said you weren't going to do terribly. Like oh well, that's true because well, I said I was going to do badly on the on the last one and exactly. I ended up winning the last yeah, two and you point. won the last two you didn't say you were going to do bad this time ah good point <laughs> I'm going to do terribly in the rest of this <laughs> all right night with a K in the night with an N <laughs> so night in the night protect your kingdom from the monsters that lurk at night I don't like that title oh I'm man it's fake I can go either way on this I'm going to go real. Uh, I think I'm going to go real. Okay. It is fake. <laughs> Damn it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so only you got that one, right, John? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. All right. All right. Number 13, Chicken Rider. You play as a polar bear who is fighting for... An, for What the hell? Wait, hang on. Chicken Rider. So you play as a polar bear in Chicken Rider. Yeah, this is how it's written. <laughs> right. Chicken Rider. You play as a polar bear who is fighting for an animal <laughs> freedom. And not just animal freedom in general, but one specific animal freedom. Yeah. I'm going to go real. <laughs> this doesn't add up, and therefore it is real. Yeah, <laughs> I know. This feels oh, real. <laughs> yeah, it feels real. Nope, fake. Well done. Uh, that's These are great. That's that's really good. <laughs> uh, chicken Rider. It's like you, like you realized how our train of thought would go. <coughs> oh, wait, we already yeah. did. Right. Excuse me. Principle of Evil. Rumor has it that you're the most evil of them all. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Um, I'm going to go real again. Yeah. Man. What, what is this guy? Well, the like, funny thing is, it's spelled, the rumor is spelled in? with a U as well, which may, makes me think it's even more authentic. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a good point. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you think about this game based on description, though. Like, the, Rumor has it you're the most evil person of them all. Prove it. Yeah. Like, Is it a puzzle game? I don't know. <laughs> Man, uh, I thought I, it was going to be like a school go... setting where you're just trying to be an evil principal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, maybe. I was initially thinking fake, but then having the the British spelling of rumor kind of 
throws me off there. Unless, uh... Well, do we know that the person nope. quizzing us isn't European? I don't know. Is, no, is, we don't. Is Snoutling a common European last name? <laughs> We're all called Snoutling. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean... I'll say it's... I'll say it's fake. I, I'm, I'm leaning toward fake on this one. I'm gonna go real. It is... Fake. Nice. Oh. I'm, I would just I'm like one that I get now. that you guys don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> slipping now. Anyway, Samulation. <laughs> Sam is a boy stuck in an endless sim- endless simulation. Help him find a way out. God, I want this to be real so badly because it's so stupid. The name is so stupid. <laughs> See, I've been saying real a lot, and you, but it's been fake the last couple of times, so I'm afraid uh, my gut says fake, but I am afraid going fake will make this real. <laughs> I almost think this could be real. I'm going to say fake, oh, but I want, I want it to be real. <laughs> I'm going to go with John. It's fake. Oh, man, I don't... It is fake. Oh, I actually never answered, but oh, I was, I, was oh. I was gonna say fake, but that's fine. Doesn't <laughs> go matter. ahead, you go ahead and take it. I, right. I, I, you said I want to say real, so I thought that was your answer. Sorry. Not that it matters. I'm still, you know, oh, I was actually 15, so not that it matters what I say because the two of you are tied at nine, oh, geez, and I'm back way back here with six. So I don't think it really matters at this point. You could still equalize. It is both wrong for yeah, the rest we, of you. That's true. only three left. That's true. All right. So, all right. Next up is Joe Jump. <laughs> throw axes following simulation is Joe Jump <laughs> throw axes to, to destroy obstacles in your way oh no throw on axes to destroy obstacles on your way <laughs> oh, on your way oh, so these obstacles so, aren't really in your way yeah, yeah. they're just going out of your way to destroy yes. them <laughs> this feels real to me <laughs> um, so simulation was false yeah. right I'm gonna go real. Would would he do two would he do simulation and then Joe Jump right after I mean it's right possible after each other Mm. <clears throat> Man, I think on your way rather than in your way makes it feel real. It does, that's what, but yeah, he's, that's what he's tricked too. us in the past. Yeah, true. I'm gonna say it's real. I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna go with real. Yeah, it's real. Nice. Ah, gotta buy Joe Jump. Yep. All well, right. now now I'm effectively locked out of tying you because even if I disagree with you, I would have been wrong. So. <laughs> All right, uh, Isoland. Isoland draws players in with its original settings and visuals. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, uh, I, I feel like it's it's so vague it is. that it might be real. Yeah. <laughs> I can go either way. I hope this, this is the entire description too. Yeah. Like you, you click on the eShop page and it says Isoland draws players in with its original setting and visual. I'm gonna go yeah. I'm gonna go fake. Hmm. I could really could go either way on this. What did yeah. you what did you say, John? I haven't oh, okay. I, th- I think it's real. real. I think it's real. I am gonna say real. Okay. See I, I feel like this is a playoff of Evo Land. Oh damn it, oh. it's real. Nice. Uh. <laughs> Oh man! All right, I gotta be John. Oh man, John caught up. What the heck? Well, John didn't catch up. He's ahead of you. Now. Exactly. I mean, I got a yeah. I got a time here. So bold, so we'll, brave, we'll, and we'll rest on this. Yeah, I'll rest on this. Bold, brave, and bright. Use your skills through the tough courses. <laughs> man, I gotta say, uh, you have the way you write these descriptions. Yeah, I know. You're really good at this. You're really yeah. good at this. Use your skills through the tough courses. <laughs> you couldn't be more vague. I know. 
I want to say real because they or you use the Oxford comma, and you should always use the Oxford comma, but I'm going to say false. That's a good point. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I don't either. I'm going to say false as well. I got. I have to go real if I want to beat John <laughs> or Tyler. So I got to go real for this one for the strategy, and it's fake. Ah, nice. I am the indie champion. Yes, you are. I mean, shovel right. champion, champion, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mounted a last minute effort, like comeback effort. John, you obviously won with twelve points. Derek, you're in second with ten, but I trailed just barely at nine, so it wasn't quite as bad as it was earlier. Not on. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, just just for fun, real quick, the tiebreaker was how many games were featured in the Nindy Showcase on the 20th of March? Closest answer gets the point. Hmm. Uh, was that the one with Cadence of Hyrule, or was there another uh, one? I think it was the one. I think it was the that. one with Cadence of Hyrule. I think so. Yeah. I think there were. I, think, I want to say 20. I, I think it was fairly compact, but indie games do go by quite fast. Mm-hmm. So I'll say 16. Uh, I was going to say 18. So yeah. Okay. Ash gets it, 18. What? Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. guys, I win the whole thing after that. <laughs> exactly. That's just the true winner. <laughs> I got this, I got the exact number somehow. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Well, this is a great game. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. A lot of fun. So thank you so much, Daniel. And I think that about wraps it up for episode 149 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for uh, watching. And if you want to, watching, listening, <laughs> you guys want to have more and uh, offer up topics like the ones we had here, uh, just $1 a month. You can uh, support us on Patreon as well as get access to our um, VIP room in our Discord and answer, ask uh, questions and games like this. So, yeah, we'll see you next time for episode 150. Until then, guys, bye. <laughs>